This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Welcome back to Death by Southwest, the podcast where each week I share a different grisly murder story unique to the American Southwest, while my sister and co-host tries to piece together the clues and unravel the mystery behind each of these heinous crimes. I'm your host, Margo, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Jenna, and this is episode 13. I like to say lucky number 13. Mm Mm-hmm. That, Even though it's well known to be unlucky? Yeah, I think that that's wrong. I think it is lucky. I like the number 13. You also know a lot of hotels don't have a 13th floor. I think you've said that to me before. I, I didn't recognize that. I didn't. I don't think I've ever realized that before. Yeah. That seems over the top. Yeah, it seems... Ridiculous. Like, so I mean, it is a super, superstition, but yeah, it's interesting that like, yeah, some hotels don't have a 13th floor or buildings maybe like business build, you hmm. know, office buildings. Interesting. Well, I think this is going to be a lucky episode because I like the number 13. And on today's episode, we're going to delve into the heartbreaking case of Katie Sepich, a promising graduate student from Carlsbad, New Mexico, whose life was tragically cut short in Las Cruces in 2003. We'll explore the disturbing details surrounding this senseless killing that rocked the tight-knit town of Las Cruces and sparked a nationwide movement for change. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. (coughs) Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. And I just want to give a, um, a little shout out to, we got, this case was suggested to us by someone on Instagram named Alexia Cassidy. And she messaged us after the episode where we were asking for suggestions for New Mexico stories. And she suggested this one. Truthfully, we also got um, a response to uh, the Google form that we have on our link tree, like where people can tell us cases or tell us, um, you know, things that we're doing wrong or 
things that they like, whatever, feedback. And I don't have it in front of me, but one of our listeners left us four suggestions for cases, three in New Mexico, I think, and one in Texas. And honestly, I looked at all of them. They're all super, super interesting. But this is a separate um, feedback person. Yeah, this is somebody else. No, this is Alexia who suggested it. Yeah, the Google Forms is somebody else. Oh, gotcha. Um, And she, it was like a very thorough, she listed four names, all the killers, where they took place and gave me like an overview of each one. It was super helpful. So um, we're definitely going to do some of those probably in the next couple episodes because they were all great. I I don't know, this one just, I didn't see as much coverage on this one. So I always like to try and do those. But I think at some point, with all the true crime out there, we're obviously going to be covering cases that have been covered Mm -hmm. and we'll just do it in our own little personal way. That's right. That's right. Before we get into our Las Cruces fun facts and talking about Las Cruces, I wanted to, I'm not going to read feedback and comments every time because I think that'll get super annoying for listeners and probably repetitive, but I thought I could maybe read a little or at least like give a shout out to people because we've gotten some messages and every time, like the other day I was having a terrible day. You know, we have some of our regular people who I've mentioned in the past and, you know, we've talked about Sherry, but people who I regularly kind of like correspond with on on Instagram and and sometimes I can't always respond right away and I end up feeling bad, but I, I always try to respond because the mes- messages mean so much. We got two messages recently from people, you know, on Instagram, if you're like, if they don't follow you maybe or something, I don't know. It goes. It shows in, up in like the, do you want to accept yeah. this um, message? Yeah. yeah. So we got two messages from people that showed up over there and they were both such thoughtful, sweet messages. And I happened to open up Instagram, which I don't necessarily check every single day, but, and it was, it was a rough day I was having. And it sounds silly, but like these messages turned it around because they're just genuine and it's just people responding to what we're doing in such a nice way way. Um, So I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. And then the two messages that we got, one was from uh, somebody named Inked and Grateful Girl Dad. That's a cute name. He just moved to Austin, Texas from California. And he just wrote to say that he he really loved the show. He didn't, he liked how it wasn't too scripted. And and he said, I really appreciate you guys. And I thought that was fucking great to hear. Thanks, Inked and what Great, is it? Inked and Grateful Girl Dad. Inked and Grateful Girl Dad. I yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. And then we got another one from, I hope I say it right, Mika. It's M-Y-K-A. It's a really pretty name. And she wrote a really nice long message to us saying that she listened to the episode where we were talking about reviews and it motivated her to write us. And she was saying that she agreed with the listener, who I think was Sherry, who said that it feels like she's sitting down with friends each week and And I relate to this. She said, I'm 33 and most of my close friends are scattered across the country. And I look forward to the episodes because it does feel like I'm kind of sitting down and hanging out with friends, which I thought was cool. That's really, it's really nice to hear those things because we are sitting down and hanging out and having a drink. That's right. And uh, it's nice to think about other people around the country doing the same thing with us. So thanks to everyone. And let's just get into Las Cruces. What do you know about Las Cruces? White Sands. And I don't know if it's a state university. One of the universities is there. New Mexico State University. Thank you. Gosh, that's really all I know. It looked like a cute city. Hmm? And I liked it because I was excited to go to White Sands. Okay, cool. Yeah, I have uh, some things about White Sands on here that we'll talk about. But um, 
Las Cruces is a city located in the southern part of New Mexico in the Chihuahuan Desert, which is one of the largest and driest deserts in North America, actually. It's the second largest city in the state after Albuquerque and has a population of uh, just slightly over 100,000 people. So pretty small. And I wonder how that fluctuates when school's in session versus not. I bet it fluctuates a lot because the the it's New Mexico State University is there, um, which gives it a college town vibe and it has a significant presence in the city from what I understand. I don't know the exact population. I, I should have looked that up. I don't know the population of the university, but I'd imagine it. I'm sure it's pretty significant. Yeah. And yeah, then I mean, kind of like Tucson when it's uh, summer. Yeah, it's a lot less populated here. Yeah. yeah. So I actually... I was reading all different things about Las Cruces and I was, I'm fascinated with this chat GPT, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I typed into chat GPT. Can you please describe to me what Las Cruces is like so that I can picture it in my mind and feel it like I'm actually there? Wow. That was so specific <laughs> and also probably helpful to people who are using chat GPT, but maybe don't know exactly that you can be so specific. Oh yeah, very specific. So, and this is, I'm not gonna read all of what it spit back out, but this, I thought this was pretty good. Um, it said, Las Cruces has a unique blend of old world charm and modern amenities. The downtown area has a mix of historic and contemporary buildings, and there are plenty of restaurants, shops, and galleries to explore. It also hosts a farmer's market every weekend, which is popular among, among locals and visitors alike. In terms of weather, Las Cruces has a desert climate with hot summers and mild winters. The average temperature in July, the hottest month, is around 95 degrees, while the average temperature in January, the coldest month, is around 55 degrees. Now, is it high desert? Like, is it considered a high desert? The elevation is 3,800 square feet above sea level. 3,800 feet above yeah. square level. Yeah. The, above square level. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 3,800 feet above sea level. Yeah. And what's Tucson again? Like 2,500? I, I always say it's either 25 uh, or like 1,000. We've talked about it before. I I, uh, I I do think it's in, the, I think it's slightly over 2,000 around okay. that. Yeah. And then it, it ended by saying, overall, Las Cruces is a charming and vibrant city with plenty to offer. It has a mix of old and new, a thriving downtown, and a college town feel. Cool. Yeah, I want to go there. Yeah, I kind of spend go- more time there. Yeah, I kind of want to go there too. I, it sounds interesting. I, you know, I really like a small, a small town, a small town feel. So, a hundred thousand people is pretty small. So, I think I'd be interested to see it. So, I have some interesting facts, and then I have some of them that I have like in questions, in trivia. So, the city is home to the largest blank or orchard in the world which covers over 9,000 acres what kind of orchard all right can we um skim it down a little bit orchard so is it a type of plant a vegetable a flower legumes oh corn that's wrong oh (laughs) I, i don't know if that's wrong but when i said corn it thought i thought midwest okay legumes think of something a pie that you eat at Thanksgiving. Pumpkin. The other kind. Pecan. There you go. Is that a legume? No, I just said legume. Oh, I was <laughs> thinking then just kinds of beans. <laughs> okay. No, oh. I, I kind of threw you oh, off Oh, interesting. There. Yeah, the largest pecan orchard in the world. 9,000 acres. Wow, I thought, I didn't think it was the largest, but I know when I drive from here to like San Diego or LA, there's... Uh, pecan fields there's also date anyways yeah yeah okay wow Hmm. so the area around las cruces has been inhabited for thousands of years with evidence of human activity dating back to at least 10,000 bc 
which we're not going to really get into that because I'm not good with imagining how long ago in my mind that is. I just know that it's like incredibly long ago. It is. And also I think it could also take us down a deep, dark, not dark necessarily, deep road of like Mm -hmm. evolution evolution versus... Yeah. The Old Testament, the New Testament. Yep. 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 I agree. So we're going to just, we're going to avoid that. Do you know what the Gadsden Purchase is? No, but I've heard of it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I didn't either. But I'm including this fact because I thought if your husband was here, he would know. He would. Yeah. It was signed in 1853 and transferred a large portion of present day Arizona and New Mexico to the United States from Mexico. And that that entire purchase was negotiated in Las Cruces. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there are two festivals that take place in Las Cruces or nearby Las Cruces. So we got a message from, remember I mentioned the the listener last time, uh, Sean Thompson, Mm -hmm. who said like, he liked the podcast, but every time that we don't know, we don't know directions or geography, it kind of like makes him cringe. Mm -hmm. But he was, he was nice about it. And I was like, dude, I get it. (laughs) We're bad with that. My brain gets a barrier, even no matter how many times I go over these things. I couldn't even remember New Mexico from last week. Exactly. So Albuquerque. Yeah. So he sent us a comment and he said, just an FYI from your most recent episode, Hatch Green Chilies come from southern New Mexico. The small town of Hatch is about 30 minutes north of Las Cruces. So that technically, I guess, could go in the lookup list for last episode. But it's since he mentioned Las Cruces, I thought I would include it. And then I also found a fact that says the Hatch Green Chili Festival or the Hatch Chili Festival takes place in nearby Hatch, New Mexico every September. It's about 30 minutes away from Las Cruces. And it attracts thousands of visitors from around the world who come to sample the region's famous green chili. So that's one festival that's there. Um, They also have an annual festival that takes place in Las Cruces every October. Well, give me a hint. Like, is it a food? Is it a music? It's a food. It's called the Whole Blank Fiesta. Pecan. <laughs> That'd be a good, that's a good guess, but no, it's, uh, it's called the enchilada. Whole, yeah, there you go. Wow, that's good. Well, the whole enchilada, you know? Yeah. And I think about green or red chili enchilada. Yep. Let's see what other cool stuff. So we mentioned this last time. We mentioned a couple things last time. We obviously mentioned White Sands. And then as I was listening to the episode back, I realized you talked about how cool it was and that it was missile. An old mm-hmm. right missile testing a missile range right yep. and so but then we didn't talk much more about it mm. um, because it's also a a park right mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah yeah okay. now it's like a national it's national, national park. park yeah yeah because when we went there you can either just go for the day and take your little sleds or big sleds and or no sleds and just mess around <laughs> no sleds <laughs> or you can sign up for a backcountry. Uh, campsite which there's only seven available and you put in your request and it said there's no guarantee until you get here that and it may be available it may not so we drove the six however many hours thinking oh shit it's not gonna be available but we're the only ones there oh cool which made it creepy and cool yeah 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 Okay. Yeah. I just really, I realized that when we were from the last episode that like we talked about it, but that we, we didn't really like say, oh, it's also a national park. It's yeah, an old point. missile testing range. And- yeah. I, we weren't just like camping. We, right. Although I would just sure. camp in a weird place. Sure. Place. Place. <laughs> okay. Las Cruces was the site of the world's first commercial spaceport, Spaceport America, which opened in 2011. 
I had to look up what a spaceport is, so I want to see what you think it is. Just from the from the name. What do you think a spaceport is? Uh, something to do with a, um, a missile, or not a missile, a, I don't know, a, <laughs> something that goes to space, like a space carrier. Okay, that's not totally wrong. I like to be not totally wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so a... Like a what am I trying to think of? I a spacecraft of some sort. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's actually closer now. So a spaceport or, and this is my new favorite word, a cosmodrome is a site for launching or receiving spacecraft. And again, this uh, website gave the analogy. An analogy is a seaport, what a seaport is for ships or an airport is for aircraft. And after I read that, I was like, oh no, duh. Yeah. But I mean, space crafts are not something that's in our day-to-day or month-to-month or year-to-year that's life true. like an airport or a seaport. Sea yeah, so Spaceport America is an active test facility and is closed to public access. Space launches at the site are not open to the public and are subject to scheduling changes that you can, I guess, schedule a private tour. Look it up. It's pretty cool. When, it's, when you say it's not open to the public, I was thinking like the public that has their own private their own spacecraft? Pri- yeah. No, I think just they mean... Just to tour. Yeah, yeah. Is it still active? Like, are they still... I believe so. ...launching and receiving? I do. I think I think they are. Huh. What do you think is the largest employer in Las Cruces? Part of me wanted to say New Mexico State University, but I'm not going to say that. You should say that. Oh, New Mexico State University. There you go. Very good. <laughs> What, what, where were you going? I'm not sure. Okay. Something with like spacey stuff or I don't know. I don't really know a pecan factory. Oh, that would have been a good guess too. But you're right. New Mexico State University is the largest employer. What famous outlaw was captured in Las Cruces in 1881? Doc Holliday. No, because I think that was in Tucson. Oh, I don't know. Oh, who? Um, Billy the Kid. Oh! I know, we talked about this on a past episode, and I cut it out, actually, I think. Doc Holliday and Billy the Kid kind of, like, co-mangled at some point, I think. Okay, so the answer is Billy the Kid was captured in Stinking Springs, just outside of Las Cruces in 1881, and I then had to look up who is Billy the Kid, Mm -hmm. and I have just a brief definition. He was an outlaw and a gunfighter of the American Old West, who is alleged to have killed 21 men before he was shot and killed at the age of 21, Mm -hmm. and he also fought in New Mexico's Lincoln County War, um, during which he allegedly committed three murders. Mm. Sure, there's a lot more there, but... Let's see. What is the name of the river that runs through Las Cruces? The Stinking Springs River. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, The Rio Grande. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That listener's cringing right now. He's like, Uh, God, no, I don't they know these things. I mean, I wonder if he feels like a GPS or whatever he called himself for Uh the whole nation or just areas he's been. I don't know. If he's listening, if Sean is listening, let us know. Do you feel like a GPS for for everywhere in the country or most places or just places that you're familiar with? And my final trivia is the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science, which is actually in Albuquerque, so this is more of a New Mexico fact, uh, has a display of a dinosaur that was discovered with preserved skin and fossilized internal organs making it one of the best preserved dinosaur specimens ever found. That's crazy. What kind of dinosaur? I don't know. What? (laughs) I don't know. I thought you were going to ask me the name of the dinosaur, which I was going to say Lucy, which I know it's not that, but that's that T-Rex. In Chicago. But, um, yeah, that's it. 
That's at the Field Museum in Chicago. Okay. Well, look up list for sure. Oh, I, I just found out what kind of dinosaur it is. Oh, okay. What kind? It is a duck-billed hadrosaur. Oh, do they have like, I know they have the duck bill, like the platypus, and then do they also have like kind of like something going on here? I don't know, but it's so well preserved that you can see individual scales and tendons on the animal. I mean, that's nuts. So that's it. Those are my Las Cruces splash slash New Mexico facts. Hopefully everyone feels satisfied with those. You don't want to miss what happens next in today's murder story. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Well, let's uh, let's jump into this episode today, and we're going to be exploring, like I said earlier, the brutal and senseless murder of Katie Sepich, who was murdered in 2003. Before we get into the actual crime, we are going to get to know Katie a little bit. So Katie was born on December 26, 1980, Christmas baby, and she was born in Carlsbad, New Mexico, but she was in Las Cruces because she was going to school there. And in the small town of Las Cruces, Katie, her full name was Catherine, but she went by Katie. She was adored by everyone that came in contact with her. She was the oldest of three children. She had a younger brother, AJ, and younger sister, Caroline. She had dark shoulder length hair, big blue eyes, was said to have an infectious energy and a vibrant personality, and that she was the light of her parents' life. And following her death, Dateline did a video that was kind of in her remembrance or honoring her. And her her parents and brother and sister all gave various quotes, kind of gave a nice view of her. So her, her dad, Dave, said, Katie was quite something. She was a ball of fire from day one. She was going 90 miles per hour her whole entire life. And her siblings, her younger sister Caroline said, her whole life was an adventure. She was really sweet and outgoing, but also a little bossy. She liked to plan things and make her adventures and go her own way. She would say things like, this is what we're doing. Let's go right now. And her brother AJ, who was only about, her brother AJ was only about four years younger than her. And her brother Caroline was- Sister Caroline. I'm sorry. Her sister Caroline was actually, I want to say almost 13 years younger than her. So pretty big age gap there. 
a whoops baby. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. a whoops baby. <laughs> so AJ said, Katie was a lot to handle, but also a lot to have behind you and to have on your side. She was always my protector and my best friend. So, That's sad. Yeah. She was said to have a warm smile and a heart of gold. People were naturally drawn, drawn to her. She was really known for being a very selfless and generous person. And despite the fact that she didn't live with her family anymore because she was going to school at New Mexico State, she lived with her roommate, Tracy Waters. She still remained especially close with her parents. So they lived in, her parents and siblings lived in Carlsbad, New Mexico, which is about three hours away from Las Cruces. Um, Did she live in the dorms? She did not. So she was 22. So actually at the time of her her murder and when the story takes place she had just graduated from new mexico still living with tracy mm -hmm. still yeah. living with tracy in a house that they were renting um she was also a waitress at el sombrero patio cafe she worked there for a while and you're going too quick for me sorry you're like her <laughs> going 90 <laughs> miles i'm just i don't even have anything to say i just i think it's a little quick okay i'll slow it down okay so she worked at los sombreros as a waitress. Yes, she worked at El Sombrero Patio Cafe. She was said to be really beloved by, there was a lot of regulars that came in and they, you know, she had a lot of people that adored her there. It's a small community. So working at a popular cafe right in the heart of town and having lived there for years going to school there, she was known by people. Everybody kind of knew everybody in Las Cruces and is what I heard. I got a question. Sure. Do you know what she studied in school? I don't know what she studied in school, but I do know that she had just graduated and she was going, now going to start graduate school hmm. and she would be studying um, business administration. Hmm. And she didn't know what she wanted to do, but she had told her mom that she, you know, her mom had said, well, what are you going to do with that and, or with life? And she had said, I don't know what I'm going to do, mom, but I'm going to change the world was what she had said. Wow. So the news of her murder sent shockwaves throughout the town. And she was, to them, she was more than just a victim. She was a daughter, a sister, a friend, a community member, a leader. And it left everyone kind of questioning who who could have done this, who would have wanted to do this to somebody who was so loved, like didn't, didn't seemingly have any enemies, which I know seems to be a theme. A theme. I feel like we've said that a lot. I'm not going to lie. When I was doing this one, the research and looking into this episode and deciding if this would be the one or not, I did notice like there are a lot of similarities between this and some that we have done, which... I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's, I think for listeners, it's probably more interesting to hear a more wide range of various ages and ethnicities. Well, and that's what situations. I wondered. What do you mean similarities in terms of the victim? Yeah, she's a, she's a young white college girl. Yeah. And, uh, you but know, also who that everyone can play seemed to, to like. statistical facts. Of, that's true. That's and a good I don't point. know. I haven't looked up statistical facts, but I was also wondering when you said, and I get generally people, are going to say all the good things, but like part of me wants to know like what was kind of dicey about her, or, sure. you know, about any of, not just right. um, Katie in particular, but you know, any, where, where are the rough edges? Well, and I think that that's probably hard because yeah, once, exactly. unless you get um, a firsthand interview, which I think I cut this out of the last episode, but I did mention that for, for a handful of these cases, I have reached out to family members and tried to speak to them directly and have not heard back, which I completely understand because I'm sure many people don't want to relive it. They're not trying to publicize it more or anything like that. So I totally understand that. But I think unless you get that kind of firsthand insight, there's there's probably not after somebody somebody is murdered horrifically, people aren't going to be apt to say terrible Girl, things. Oh, she about was kind of bitchy early in the morning. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. But I also exactly. think it's good that you reach out to people, um, who, however, whenever you can. Sure. It's like a respectful thing. Like if sure. you want to put in your, not your two cents, but if you want to share <clears throat> something or, Absolutely. or tell us what not to talk about. Absolutely. Or, and I also understand that people wouldn't want to do that and don't give a shit. And totally. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested. Totally. Yeah. So let's get into the weekend that Katie was murdered. It was Labor Day weekend, 2003. And having just graduated from New Mexico State University, Katie and her boyfriend of about eight months, Joe Bischoff, and their friends were planning to celebrate. It was going to be a bit of a bittersweet celebration for Katie and Joe because while Katie would be staying in Las Cruces to start grad school, Joe would be moving back home to Gallup, New Mexico to help out with his family business. And I don't know what the family business is. Oh, I wasn't going to ask that. Oh, (laughs) I was going to say, okay, so she's staying at New Mexico State to do her uh, postgraduate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little bit bittersweet because he was actually just in town for the weekend. He had already partially moved back home. He was in town for the weekend to get the last of his things and to celebrate with all of his friends because they had all just graduated. When is Labor Day? It's uh, the end of August. So the weekend of August 30th, usually. Okay. So they probably graduated somewhere mid and May and then a lot of them stayed Stayed around or left. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So they were planning to celebrate and and Joe and Katie were planning to stay together long distance, even though he was going to be back home in Gallup. But undeniably, the relationship and things were changing. How far is Las Cruces from where Joe's from? Gallup. Gallup. I think it's about four and a half to five hour drive. So it's oh. it's not a it's not a quick drive, that's for yeah. sure. Nonetheless, Joe was in town for this Labor Day weekend, picking up the last of his stuff and celebrating with Katie and their friends. And Earlier in the day, Joe and Katie actually went to a jewelry store where Katie had been eyeing a ring with her birthstone in it. And I want to, now I feel like this is wrong. I have written down that her birthstone is turquoise, but her birthday is December 26th. Is that right? Is she Sagittarius? Because I'm December 1 and it's turquoise. Okay, then that probably is right then. So it was a turquoise ring. She had been looking at it for a while and Joe bought it for her that day. She was super excited about it and like wore it out that night and showing everybody, look at the ring that Joe bought me. So when the sun went down, Katie, Joe, and all their friends hit the town. They did some bar hopping. They ended up at one of their favorite bars, which I could not find the name to. And they stayed pretty much until they closed the whole bar down, but they weren't ready to be done celebrating yet. So they headed over to a friend's home to close out the night with a little house party. Now, was this just a regulation celebration? Because this is August. No one graduated tonight or yesterday or last weekend. No. So it's just like we're all partying or many of us are going our separate ways. So this is kind of like a last hurrah. Yes. A last hurrah. I think so. Absolutely. Because this was obviously Joe's last weekend there. And so, yeah, that's that's what it seemed like. So they headed to a friend's home to close out the night with a house party. And this house that they were partying at was only about two and a half blocks, I want to say, from Katie and Tracy's home. Um, And I'll try to post some pictures of this, the neighborhood. It's a suburban neighborhood, lots of cute little Southwestern style homes. So the party, the house party lasted into the early hours of the morning, which proved to be too much partying for Katie's best friend and roommate, Tracy, who fell asleep in one of the bedrooms. She woke up after a little while, kind of groggily. She maybe had to go to the bathroom or she heard noises from outside the room where she had fallen asleep. She heard whispers of people in the hallway being like, where's Katie? Where's Katie? At the time, Tracy assumed that they meant like, where's Katie in the party in the house? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But sadly, she would quickly find out that she was very wrong about that. Because that night would be the last time that Tracy, Joe, or anyone else would ever see Katie alive. 
The next morning, on the morning of Sunday, August 31st, Joe came knocking on that bedroom door at the house where the party was, where Tracy had fallen asleep, and came in and and asked Tracy, do you know where Katie is? And Tracy said, I obviously do not, because I've been sleeping since last night. And she said, what happened? Did you get into a fight or what? Is that how she really responded? Or you're saying she obviously did not? Because I'm thinking if someone walked in... If I walked into someone's room and I said, where's so-and-so? And they said, I obviously do not know. I'd be all, wow, okay, that's suspicious, but fine. No, I don't think she answered exactly like that. <laughs> and so he, she had said, you know, I don't know where she is. And she asked Joe, did you guys get into a fight or something? You know, why don't you know where she is? And he claimed they did not get into a fight. So Tracy reached for her phone to call Katie, of course, and Joe said, you 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 don't have to call her because her phone's here. She left her phone here, here at the house, but she's not here. And not only was her phone at the house, but her car was at the house, which makes sense because there was, their house was only two blocks away. So good for her. She wasn't driving home. But inside of the car was her purse and all of her personal belongings. So she kind of disappeared without her phone, without her purse. Common theme. Common or theme. Or not common, but something we've heard yeah. before. Yeah. Of not that they are choosing these victims are choosing to leave their item their you know essential day-to-day night-to-night items but that seems like a warning sign of whoa yeah something not great's happened perhaps yes i yeah. agree and tracy would agree as well because she immediately got a sinking feeling in her stomach it was not super uncommon for katie and joe i guess to have arguments but it was very uncommon for Katie to abruptly leave somewhere without telling anyone and then even beyond that to leave her phone, purse and personal belongings. But Tracy was, you know, she was trying not to get too worried. So she said, I'm going to go back to our house. I'm assuming she's there. She probably just walked home. No big deal. So she went back to her house and there was no sign of Katie. In fact, it didn't even look like Katie had ever been there. The doors were still locked. Her bed had not been slept in. It didn't look like anybody had come into the house. Since the time they both left to go celebrate. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So Tracy began calling everyone who was at the party or who lived nearby, who was in the neighborhood. No one knew anything. No one had seen her. She was increasingly worried. So she went back to wherever Joe was at the house party, maybe still wasn't a party anymore, but the house where the party was. And she pressed him for answers, asking about his last interaction with Katie and like, what happened? What happened? He finally admitted that they had gotten in an argument, but that it was nothing serious and that he didn't know where she was. In fact, that wasn't true, though, because what had actually happened is that Joe was kissing another girl at the party and Katie had seen. Well, that's cause for a fight. Exactly. It's also cause for kind of fleeing. So apparently she had been so upset that she she was just beside herself and she just left and decided to go home and she didn't bring her phone or purse. She was like, I can't, I don't even have time to think about this. Oh, so that's a fact or you're saying that could be a fact. That could be a fact. I got it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that makes sense to me. Like, like fuck this. I can't look at this. Yeah. And if you've been drinking, you're not always maybe aware of your personal beings, belongings, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And they had been drinking a lot apparently. Oh Yeah. I feel sad because I know that the end of the story doesn't bode well for Katie. And that was like maybe one of the last interactions. I mean, not that her and Joe had. Yeah. Don't miss what happens next in today's episode. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. (laughs) 
So uh, at this point, once Tracy finds this out, and I don't know if she if she just found out that that Joe and Katie argued, or if Joe Eve actually admitted at this point that he had kissed somebody else and Katie saw. I, I know that that came out at some point in this story. I don't know exactly if it was at this moment. So at this point, Tracy is concerned. So she starts calling hospitals and jails because she's thought maybe she tried walking home and she got picked up by the police, like drunken disorderly or something. I don't think that's crazy. Do you think you would do that? Like, I don't, I've heard that's a reasonable thing to do. Mm -hmm. Call hospitals, jails. I guess, I don't know. I've never been in this situation. Is that what you would do next? I guess I would call hospitals. I don't think I would call yeah, jails. jails because I just don't think you would be walking anywhere by yourself drunk. Like I just, I think you would. Well, I would. I for sure but would. Like, yeah. I'm, also, I'm, if you get arrested at some point, you get a phone call. Right. I don't know if that's fake. I, I think that's true. Right. Okay. Well. So at this point, Tracy had moved on to calling hospitals while Joe and his friend drove around the neighborhood looking for Katie. And when no one had turned up anything by the afternoon, Tracy decided it was time to call Katie's parents in Carlsbad to let them know what was going on. And Katie's mom recalled getting that call. She said at 2.15 p.m. that afternoon, the phone rang and our lives were shattered with just six words. Have you talked to Katie today? Katie's mom told Tracy, no, I haven't talked to Katie. And Tracy told her that they couldn't find her. They looked everywhere. She had left her phone behind. She basically recapped the situation. And Tracy said, I'd like to call the police. I'd like to file a missing persons report. And Katie's mom said, absolutely. Please definitely do that. Because this is just the next day, midday. Yeah. Do it. Tracy did. She called the police and reported Katie missing and got a picture of Katie to the police. Meanwhile, Katie's dad immediately got in the car and began driving to Las Cruces from Carlsbad, which is about a three-hour drive. Now, here's where the, 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 the timeline, I say this every episode, sometimes it gets a little wishy-washy. So I found some accounts that said within about an hour after she filed the missing person report, the police called Tracy and asked her to come down to the station. Other timelines say it's the next day. I, I tend to think it was that day. It was very soon after. The police called Tracy and said, hey, would you come down to this station to identify someone? And the officer asked me if I could come to identify someone. And I said yes, like enthusiastically, because I guess I'm thinking they've arrested some woman who was walking down the street intoxicated, and that's what I'm going to do, to say, yep, that's her. I support you, Tracy. Also... If someone says, come identify someone, yeah. I wasn't expecting that either, by the way. I, When you said whether it was the next hour or the next day, I wasn't expecting come down to the station and identify this person. Yeah, that's true. Either way, Tracy headed down to the police station. And unfortunately, this was not what the police meant. Unbeknownst to Tracy, so we're going to flashback a little bit earlier in the day. Unbeknownst to Tracy, a couple who had been out in the desert doing some target shooting practice in the early morning hours of August 31st had stumbled upon a dead woman's body near the city's former landfill site. She was found face down with her legs pushed apart, her neck was bruised, and they found scratches on her arms and legs. The killer had also apparently tried to cover up any evidence by pouring some type of liquid over her body and setting it on fire. But ultimately, the fire petered out. It never ended up catching, and only part of the body was burned. 
There was very little found at the scene at the time by way of evidence that could link this to a potential suspect except for one single tire track, which had police wondering if this unknown woman that that they were looking at had been killed somewhere else and then had just been dumped at this landfill in the desert. Based on the tire track they found? Based on the tire track they found and that there wasn't there wasn't any, the scene wasn't disturbed in any other way. It didn't look like there had been a struggle. There was no other, you know, there wasn't any bottle of liquid. It was just one was tire just, track and evidence of some sort of liquid that didn't happen. Right. Yeah. What was the tire track? It, Does, they, is that relevant? Immediately they didn't know what it was, but upon further investigation, they believed that it belonged to kind of a smaller size truck, pickup truck. Mm. So c- police quickly made the connection though that this... 20-something-year-old woman that they found in the desert that morning could be related to the missing person that Tracy had filed around 2.30 p.m. that day. Mm -hmm. So this body was found around 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Tracy made this missing person report around 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And then quickly after, police thought, uh, what if these are connected, which is why they called Tracy down to come to the police station. You know, like Tracy said, she was expecting to pick up her hungover friend. In reality, she got there. She was escorted to the hospital and asked, because the morgue at the bottom of the hospital, I guess, and asked to identify the body that had been found that morning. She was in a body bag, and they folded back the top to about chest area. And I screamed because all I saw initially was the side of her head and I saw a silver earring and it was her. Like, I didn't even have to look at her face and I knew it was her. And she looked like she was in pain and it was awful. And so Katie's dad was um, soon arriving, not long after this. Um, And when he arrived, I, this is a quote from him, and I don't know if he if he was arriving at the police station or at Katie's house. I'm not sure. But he said when he arrived, um, he said, when I walked in the door, there was a police captain and a victim's advocate and a minister. And I knew immediately when I saw them that this couldn't be good. And of course, they told me that they had found a bo- her body that morning, but they didn't know who she was because she didn't have any ID on her. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And at that point, he knew that Tracy had identified her, but he told police that he needed to see for himself that his daughter was really dead. I'll never forget going down the hallway in the basement of that hospital to the morgue and going in there and when they pulled that sheet back, it, it I literally, I fell to my knees. And then I can remember walking out there and it was a, the feeling that you're leaving your child for the last time, it was horrible. That is, I mean, I have no idea. I've never, I don't have children or left a child, but gosh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the autopsy report showed that Katie had been raped and killed by strangulation before her body was set on fire or attempted to be set on fire. And due to the extreme brutality of the murder, police knew that they had to catch this killer quickly or he could do this again to somebody else. The autopsy report also told police that Katie had fought like hell. She had defensive wounds on her forearms and had taken a fair amount of skin and even drew blood off of her attacker, which was found under her nails. 
I'm just taking it all in. Also, this unfortunately is a very common from the 13 episodes we've done. I, uh, many of the victims were sexually assaulted slash raped. Some set on fire as well. And strangled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why earlier when I said like it's this reminds me of a combination of episodes that we've done. It's it's I don't know. You know, it's hard to tell because unfortunately so many people are murdered. So is that does that have to do with just the cases that I'm finding are coming across? Or, well, or, I didn't want to say that either. Yeah. There's not a lot of white women. I'm not going to say white women, but middle-aged, youngish women, generally whitish. What I think it is is, yeah, there's a lot of white women or young whitish women that are. Totally. And also the ones that are most covered. True. That's absolutely true. Well, it you is know what? absolutely I, true. I think that's an important thing to note. And and the story that I had originally wanted to do was suggested by a listener, and it was actually two men, two young men who were murdered. Right, but you didn't choose that one. So that's I didn't because <laughs> well, because there wasn't enough coverage on it. Also, I'm not. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm saying women versus men. I believe more women are probably murdered. Period. Than men. Sure. But in terms of um, media coverage, well, because a lot of that's what I'm going. If I can't get in touch with the families or people connected to the case, then I'm going strictly on what I can find in the news, what has been covered. And so the story that I wanted to do was these two young men who had been murdered in New Mexico. But and I researched it and then I got to a dead end. There was nothing else. There was not enough to to maybe tell we the should whole do story. One of those sometime. That's true. I because guess we could just do it and it would just be this is all that we could find. Well, yeah. Also, there's other than just men, you know, that get way underrepresented or way under researched. Of course, of course, of course. Okay, let's get back into this investigation. So, initially, the investigation proved to be a very challenging one. First of all, it was Labor Day weekend, which meant that there were less officers and detectives readily available because a lot of them were off the clock that weekend. It actually took several days before a lead detective was even assigned to the case. But when one was, it was Detective Robert Jones. And he readily admitted that they were a few steps behind from the beginning because it took several days before he even got the case on his desk. Uh, Mark Myers uh, was a Las Cruces police officer and he had kind of been there from the beginning from the missing persons report and he chose to stay on the case and do his best to work alongside Detective Jones. So the two started by canvassing the scene and interviewing over a hundred people over several days, partygoers, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, and family members. But they came up with no real leads until a call came in from Katie's roommate saying that she had found something and asked police to come to the house where they made a shocking discovery. It turned out that Katie had made it home that night. She just never made it inside the house. Okay, guys, we hate to do it to you, but this episode got a little bit long, so we're going to cut it here. And you'll have to wait until next week and tune in to episode 14, part two of the murder of Katie Seppich. To find out exactly what happened to Katie and who her murderer was, thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Leave us a review on Apple and tune in next week. We'll see you guys then. Bye.
And if you want to see pictures of the victims, the murderers, and any additional related images, head over to our Instagram right now. Our handle across all social media platforms is death, then the letter X, and then Southwest spelled out. So D-E-A-T-H-X-S-O-U-T-H-W-E-S-T, death X Southwest. Death by Southwest is a Cavalry Audio production. Hosted by Jenna Schneider and Margot Carmichael. Produced by Margot Carmichael. Associate produced by Jenna Schneider. Executive produced by Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Audio editing and sound design by Revision Sound. Music by Soundstripe. And a special thanks to Edward R. Murrow for letting us borrow his famous sign-off phrase, good night and good luck.